LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about why people aren't reading the Bible consistently, and maybe, pastor or leader, why you aren't reading the Bible consistently for personal intake and growth. Because most of the time, I would say, you're preparing a sermon. You're putting hours in each week trying to prepare messages. You're preparing for a study or a Sunday school class or a small group, and even your discipleship group. Sometimes you read for preparation and teaching. But how often are you reading for personal growth and insight and just hearing from the Lord, especially when this is your vocation? Uh, so where are we at? What? Why? Where do we start with this whole uh, topic and conversation? Well, this is this is not just for pastors and and leaders in church. I think this can apply to everybody. Anybody who's uh, a Christian is, is a minister of the gospel, equip the saints for the work of ministry. So, yes, it applies to pastor leaders who use the Bible as a tool or a means to shepherd and, and equip right. their people. But here's the thing: I, I learned this when I was in seminary. Um, I used to go to seminary. I was at class. When I went to seminary, I thought I was the closest to modern-day apostles as anybody could get. I mean, I went to seminary. I thought, I'm hanging with guys who are modern-day Pauls. <laughs> and you're talking modern- about the other students, other not, students, not, yeah. the, not the professors necessarily. No, well, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the students, you know. And I was only a Christian. Because we know the professors were nowhere. No, I'm just <laughs> no, I'm part, no, <laughs> But the other students. So you thought, man, I'm here with other guys who are just pursuing God oh, man. at the highest level. Yeah, and you got to understand, I was only a Christian for one year. Mm. I had never read the Bible <laughs> before one year prior so, to going to seminary. Unlike everything else in your life, you went from zero to 100 in a very oh, short it's over, time. Oh, it's zero to 60 over to, uh, in a second. <laughs> so here I am. I mean, when my teacher in the Old Testament, Dr. Brown, said, turn to the book of Obadiah, I said, Obahu. <laughs> you know, I hadn't even heard of Obadiah. <laughs> you... So, you as a Catholic, you were uh, you were still trying to figure out where's Maccabees at. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm flipping yeah. through this thing. I can't there find no where's Bell yeah. the Dragon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tobit. And this uh, is a whole whole different book. Yeah. So here I was in seminary, and what I realized was these guys were just like anybody else. I mean, yes, they were. I mean, obviously they were called to ministry, but they they had the same challenges everybody does. They had the same temptations everybody does. And what I realized was a lot of guys were not working on their personal devotion time. They were working on their ministry application time. And what I mean is this, they would read the Bible for school, but rarely did they read the Bible for themselves. Well, and we see this in a lot of ways. um, when, When you think about those guys specifically, and I see this in churches, I've thought this my whole life, the guys behind the soundboard are the least godly guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm only kidding here because of our own team here. But the reality is, I know this from experience myself, if I get lost in helping create the service, helping lead the service, so to speak, uh, as different areas I've served, being in a worship team, uh, being behind the soundboard, helping you know with the set, all the things that go into it, it's almost like we don't. We, we feel like okay, I don't have to do these other things, or I'm not as uh, in need of maybe. And again, I don't think we think this 
out you know we're we're just thinking maybe internally i'm helping produce this situation so do i really need to invest in and hear and be a part of it and be involved in it and so maybe with these uh these guys at seminary that's that's what they were feeling well it'd be like somebody being a master chef and never eating food for nourishment you're always preparing the ingredients. You're always cooking the food. Everybody's you know, raving about how good it is, but you never eat the food for nourishment, so you die of starvation or you're malnourished your whole. So one of the things I've always heard is never eat from a restaurant with a skinny chef. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> so, I heard the, the, the bad version of that. Never trust a skin, uh, always trust a fat chef. Right. Which, you know, you don't want to say that. You want to say the other, what you right, said. Right. Oh, yeah. Large chef. <laughs> But, Never trust a skinny chef yeah. or a dentist with bad teeth. Yeah, well, that's true. So here's the thing. So back to Okay, so here's the reality. I would realize that guys would say to me in seminary, I'm reading the Bible for class. I don't have to have a quiet time. I don't have to hear from God personally. I don't have to spend time listening to the Lord. I don't have to have a, a daily reset or a rest with God. I'm hearing it every day in class. I'm reading it for stuff. I'm passing tests. And what happens is this, we can get so tempted to fall in love with the ministry of Jesus and out of love with the Jesus of our ministry. And so never let us, never let us delegate our quiet. See, that's the one thing you can't outsource. You can't outsource your personal quiet time to someone else. Like, like as consistent as candy my wife is in the Bible and reading the Bible, her Bible reading does not translate to my personal devotion time. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like the average church attendee is outsourcing their, their personal time with God every, every Sunday? Yes. Oh, yeah, I show up. To so, a one-hour sermon. So I got it. Most people have compartmentalized their Christian life to, if I say a prayer and I repeat the right words and I mean it and ask Jesus in my heart, then I'm good with God. Now, what I do after that point is optional. And if I come to church once a week, and I can microwave my spiritual life and condense it into a one-hour message that I hear with my family, I feel good about myself for the next six and a half days so I can come back next week, expect the peace of God to come over me and live the Christian life. And we wonder, watch this, we wonder why people are undiscipled disciples. We wonder why we're not pushing back darkness with light. We wonder why we're not making headway in the world. We wonder why we're not on mission for God. Is it any wonder? We have taught our people that it's okay to just live like they want. Here's what we've taught them. The the spiritual disciplines, Chris, are recommended but not required activities for a Christian. It's almost like we have traded off and said, man, I'd prefer efficiency at the expense of effectiveness. Exactly. If I can just get in there, knock it out, and be done, I can check that off the list. And But how is that working in your life? Well, that's the problem with our culture. See, the problem with our culture is we want everything faster, we want everything yesterday. We want everything now. For example, uh, I just found out, and I was pretty excited about this, DoorDash <laughs> comes actually oh, to I'm my home you. now. DoorDash could be, as a friend of mine likes to say a lot, a life changer. Well, it is a life changer. It, for it, me, it is. I mean, for you, it definitely is. You tend to eat at restaurants 90% of the time. Okay, not 90, but close to <laughs> about 85. Okay. In my mind, it's In my 99%. Mind, it's not, so I'm bringing it back. To me, it's 100% I'm bring- <laughs> of the time. The candy won't let me. But the reality is I have to leave the house Drive, drive to the, yep. order the food, drive, drive now there. from an app. I can order the food 45 minutes <laughs> later. It is at my door. I'm just telling you, I've actually used it at my house as well. And it, it is definitely a game changer. It's a game changer. Okay. It is. Now here's the thing. That kind of mentality 
and here's the thing: forty-five minutes is too long because we mm. want it in thirty. That's right. And then we want it in twenty. And then we want it flown by a drone in ten. <laughs> Why minutes, can't I press a button? To the one door. day delivery from Amazon drone, same day delivery. Same day. Yes. I mean, one hour delivery. We apply all these things to our faith. If you take that mentality to your Christian life, then what happens is you get into this mindset where you can microwave your quiet time with God. You can't do that. Okay, you cannot do that. So here's the question. Why are people not reading the Bible consistently? This is a multifaceted answer. Let's start with the first problem. And I think there are a number of problems. I think the way I think let me make a statement here. I know it's a bold statement. I I like bold statements. Okay, hit us with a bold statement. Here's a bold statement. I think most Christians are reading the Bible wrongly. Most is the key word here. Why do I say that? Most Christians, including me as well, including you, all of us, all of us at times have done this. We have been taught that we need to read the Bible for information and not read the Bible for intimacy. Okay? That's a big difference. So information is I go read a a Bible reading plan, and the goal of the Bible reading plan, read the Bible in a year. What is the goal of the Bible reading plan? To get through the plan. Yes. And what (laughs) happens is you put on your medallion, you you pin some ribbons to your chest, you put on a placard or a name tag, and you say, I may read the Bible in a year, winner. And that, that placard or medallion these days is Instagram. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't post it, it right. didn't happen. That's right. Uh, it, there was a period of time where I was trying to post daily my my readings. Oh yeah, me too. And I felt like okay, I don't one, I don't want people to think, man, I'm doing this every day perfectly without missing anything. But then two, I just felt like that I'm doing this. At some point, it shifted from man, I'm excited about what I'm reading to I got to make sure I get that post in there. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How much of this is kind of a sidebar here? But how much of what we do? is more to show people online the kind of life we expect them to see us living and not the kind of life we want to live in the moment. Like, for example... I don't, I don't know what those stats are. That could well, be close to your DoorDash stats. Well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. How many people are so... so? I mean, it's like friends of ours who know I won't name their names, but there's people who they have to catch every moment with the family that they're home on Instagram. But what you don't see is that they're gone from the family, they're traveling, they're always away. But when they're home for that two or three day period, it's every picture of every swing, of every Chuck E. Cheese event, TGI Fridays, Dave and Buster's. Are you talking about me? But the reality is, if if we don't catch it on Instagram or Twitter, it didn't happen. Okay, so here's the thing. I think we're approaching the Bible in an incorrect way. Now, not incorrect way. Let me back up. I think we're approaching the Bible uh, in a Western way of thinking. I always talk about Western, Eastern culture. The, The Western way of thinking is we read a book to gain information. When the book is completed and I've read the book, what do I do with the book? You put it on a bookshelf, yep, or you give it to a friend, right? And what I do, never read. You the book never again. open it again. Okay, here's the problem. That's a very Western way to read. Okay, let me give you a more. And and, the, and what I mean is, we we read in what's called a linear fashion. Okay, so in our minds, and this is because we're products of our environment, we read from A to Z. We don't get accolades. We don't achieve something until we get to Z. We don't stop at D. We don't stop at uh, R. We get to Z. The last thing we want to do is go back. You never want to get to F and go back to E. 
You never want to get to D and go back to C. That's a very Western way to read. A more Eastern way to read is through repetition or reiteration. So here's the thing. A very Jewish way to read is you read forward, but then you go back in order to go ahead. And so you're reading and you're digesting. And so what happens is it's this sacred art of being present in the text. You're not reading just to fill the mind with a bunch of encounters from the life of Jesus. You're reading the Bible in order to spend time with Jesus. This is what I want you to get. It's not, watch this, and if you do this, I promise you, your whole Bible reading will change. I know mine did. Don't come to the sacred text in order to try to get something from God. You're not trying to make a deal with, like, God, if I read this, you give me this. Or if I read this, I learn this. You're coming to the sacred text, not for information, but for transformation. Transformation, Chris, takes time. You cannot microwave your quiet time to five minutes a day and expect God to transform your life. Most people are, are <laughs> most people are, are compartmentalizing their quiet time to reading and checking boxes, and they wonder why they leave the, the time of the word unchanged. It's because they're not spending time with God. Well, then they eventually give up on it. It's and not working. Get, yeah, I didn't get you anything know. out of it. Well, let's take a brief break and come back and continue this conversation on how to get our people to more consistently read the word, or if you're listening, how to get you, how to get me to more consistently engage with God's word. What guides your core beliefs? Are they founded upon solid truth, or are they based on others' opinions or your own emotions? What you believe about your purpose and value affects almost every area of your life. This is the premise of the new film Overcomer in theaters August 23rd. It's the latest from the Kendrick Brothers, makers of Courageous, War Room, and others. This movie has inspired the creation of several resources— For small groups, there's the Overcomer Bible Study. For individuals, there's a book called Defined. Both are based upon powerful insights from the book of Ephesians. Learn more about all the resources at lifeway.com slash overcomer. One of the things we have here at Replicate is the disciple-making jumpstart. All the conversations we have on the podcast, we're talking through how really to make disciples, regardless of the topic, regardless of how it engages or impacts you, making disciples is what we know Jesus has called us to do. And so if you want to find out more about this, uh, um, I really feel like I want to use the word amazing. I know it's ours, but hey, I'm going to say it anyway. An amazing (laughs) training opportunity. We've condensed, Pastor all of our training down into two very essential training sessions where we say, if you could just implement these, you could get a head start, a a jump start, if you will, on your disciple making in your church, how to create a culture for disciple making and what discipleship groups look like, really the capstone of the disciple making process in ministry. The biggest challenge we realize in making disciples is where do you start? Most people don't know where to start, which is easier to, to get a ship out of port moving or right. to navigate or redirect a moving ship. So it's a whole, it's a whole lot easier it, to redirect yeah, a moving ship. So we're helping you get out of port into sea, into the world of disciple making. And what we've done is we've made it very easy. We've given you a 30-day daily email from me that tells you actionable steps to do every day. You're going to get weekly videos on training. You're also going to get two essential videos, one, how to create a culture of discipleship, two, how to create a a disciple-making movement with D-groups in your church, and then finally, we're going to give you a systematic approach on how to develop a holistic plan by changing the scorecard 
through a new metric called the marks of a disciple. It's all together. You can We're check it out. We're excited about it. You can uh, check that out at disciplemakingjumpstart.com. That's disciplemakingjumpstart.com. And we're back. We're talking about how to help our people engage and read the Bible consistently. We've we've probably said a hundred times or more on this podcast uh, over the last 50-plus episodes. I think we're in our 60-something episode right now. And here's the beauty. Bible engagement impacts every other element of your spiritual growth. And so as we talk about how to more how to help our people more read the word, read the word more, engage with the word more, be more consistent and really again ourselves because we we think about this we're we're not uh sitting on the sideline watching them and saying okay they're not doing it we are. We all uh, face a struggle at times. And so you were talking about this Western viewpoint of reading and and then kind of moving into reading and then rereading. Help us uh, continue to walk through how to get our people engaged in reading and consistently yeah, reading I, the Word. I think you've, you, you've, you've made a, an interesting point I think we have to consider. Ministers and leaders are the worst at this. We, we are the worst at this because we are we are products of our schedule we're not controlling our schedule. So we're the busiest at uh, doing things good in ministry, uh, preparing messages, counseling people with the word, but actually slowly spending time with God. See, here's the thing. When you slow down your reading, and in order to slow down your reading, you have to make time for God. You have to build margin in your day. You have to you have to spend time in an as Henry Blackaby used to say, an unhurried quiet time. That's a good question. When was the last time, listen, you had an unhurried quiet time with God? Well, you've asked this question before, and every time you ask it, I'm convicted. I am too. I am too. I'm at Colton, when was the last time you had? Dylan, when was the last time? I mean, the reality is we – now. Hurried quiet times, we're masters of that. Yeah, we can Hurried knock that thing times, out. I can knock that thing out. And right. Box checking quiet times, blank filling quiet times, we're the best. At that. I got a PhD in that. But unhurried, and here's the thing. When you slow down, you're more likely to catch sight of something unseen in the text. We talked earlier about going forward and then going backward yeah. to going forward. Here's the best example I've heard before. It's like painting a house. Bible reading is like painting is like buying and owning a house. Yep. When you buy a house that needs some work when you move in, you normally, if you're like my wife or your wife, they like to paint. Yes. Okay. Your wife likes to paint. All the t- she could do it all the time. And if Kenny, she was able to. a a painter and a furniture rearranger. Like we're always moving stuff in the house. Like once I get things like I like, you know my office. Rare. Once I get it like I like, let's just leave it and, and be good with it. No, not Candy. She wants to change the couch, but she likes to paint. Okay. So the way painting works is this: you're going to use paint and you paint over a wall. One stroke over a wall of paint is not going to cover it. It takes you going back and forth two or three coats to go over it, back over it and back over it in order to apply the paint correctly. And sometimes we have to go over old territory we've already been over in order to have the right picture. A lot of repetition and overlap produces a smooth finish to the wall. Same thing goes for your Christian life. Sometimes we've got to go back and forth with the same text. I heard this years ago from uh, John MacArthur. This was so radical to me because, again, I was in box checking, blank filling, and quick quiet times back then. But here's what he said. He said in college he decided to read the book of 1 John for 30 days. 
he was going to read the book of First John in its entirety for 30 days. I think it's five chapters, I think First John is. Is that right? Fact check that, Dylan, but I think that's right. Five chapters in First John. It is five because the sin unto death is in chapter five. So you're going to read, which is something we don't talk about, but anyway, the, you're going to read chapters one, two, three, four, and five in its entirety, day one. Day two, you're going to read one through five. He said by the end of 30 days, I thought he was going to say he got tired of reading. What he said was he felt like he was just getting below the surface of what the Holy Spirit was trying to speak to him. So he decided, Chris, to read it for another 30 days. So he started reading First John again, day one, one through five. Day two, or day 31, one through five. Day 32, one through. At the end of 60 days, he realized he was getting just a little deeper below the surface of an endless sea of information and truth. And so he read it for 90 days, the same book for 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, he felt like he was getting to the heartbeat of what the Holy Spirit was saying to him through the book of First John. When was the last time we read one book for 30 days? much less 90 days. See, that's the kind of countercultural mindset we need to adopt. So here's what I want you to get as we close. And if you get nothing else, this is what I want you to get. I want you to get a, mind, a mindset shift, a change from trying to get information from the Bible. Now, are you going to get information? Yes. Are you going to learn new things? Yes. But the point of reading the Bible is to get to know the author of the book. The worst thing for you to do is to read through the Bible multiple times in your life or multiple times over the year and and check boxes and say, look, I've done this and walk away cold or colder than when you started or more distant from God than when you began. The point is to spend time through intimacy. You're trying to learn the character of God. And what God's doing is he uses different authors, different encounters, different times, different seasons of people's lives to teach us about who he is. I've preached a sermon this past year called Legendary, and I talked about certain people in the Old Testament that were legendary. We were remembering children's stories, David and Goliath, the battle of David and Goliath, Daniel, Esther, Jonah, or uh, we've talked about Samson, okay, uh, Noah. And what we've realized is the common thread through every life encounter, every story, every, every account has nothing to do with the person. When David beat Goliath, it wasn't David being victorious. David was a picture of the Messiah Christ. We were like the crowd cowering back in the distance. David goes on our behalf, fights our battle for us, just like Christ goes on our behalf. Who's the victor of the story? It's Christ. Who's the hero of the Bible? It's Christ. Who's the, who's the conqueror of the text? It's Christ. And so that's why we read the Bible. We read the Bible to get a better picture of Christ. Now, here's the thing, and we'll, and we'll end with this. This is the adage I want you to remember. Think of a triangle in your mind. At the top of the triangle is the word, no God. At the right side of the triangle is, oh, is love God. And at the left side is obey God. And what the Bible teaches us is this. The more we know about God, we progress down the triangle to loving God. So if you don't love God, listen, it's probably because you don't know him. But the more you know him, you'll love him. And then the more you love him, then you'll want to obey him, not out of duty, but out of devotion. But here's the cool thing. When people obey the Lord, Jesus said this and John, John said this in first John, those who obey God, he manifests more of himself to them. So it, 
It's reciprocal. So the more you know him, you love him. And the more you love him, you obey him. But those who obey him know him more. And then you get a bigger picture of God. So the reason is this. If you don't obey God, it's because the capacity of your understanding and knowledge of who God is is a wallet-sized picture of who he is. See, that's the problem with with many people. They have a wallet-sized picture of God in their mind. He's the small, containable, uh, manageable, self-created God. And the reason that is is because you don't know him. When you know him and you understand who he is, you'll love him more. And when you love him more, you obey him more. And when you obey him, he's going to manifest himself to you in ways you can't even imagine. Well, that's good. I want to remind everyone that we are part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family. And this week, we want to talk about our friends over at the Established Church Podcast with Sam Rayner, Micah Fries, and Josh King. Have you listened recently? Uh, they've got some great topics like ageism and church leadership, leading a multi-generational church, and former and current pastor friends. Just look up EST on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.